Good afternoon, and welcome to our first quarter earnings conference call with Chairman and CEO Mark Hurd and CFO Kathy Lesjack. This call is being webcast live, and a replay of the webcast will be available shortly after the call for approximately one year. Some information provided during this call may include forward-looking statements that are based on certain assumptions and are subject to a number of risks and uncertainties, and actual future results may vary materially. Please refer to the risks described in HP's SEC reports, including our Form 10-K for the fiscal year ended October 31, 2007. Financial information discussed in connection with this call, including tax-related items, reflects estimates based on information available at this time and could differ materially from the amounts ultimately reported in HP's Form 10-Q for the fiscal quarter and in January 31, 2008. Earnings, operating margins, and similar items at the company level are sometimes expressed on a non-GAAP basis and have been adjusted to exclude certain items, including amortization of purchase intangibles and restructuring charges. The comparable GAAP financial information and a reconciliation of non-GAAP amounts to GAAP are included in the tables and in the first quarter earnings slide presentation accompanying today's earnings release, both of which are available on the HP Investor Relations webpage under company information at hp.com. Finally, please refrain from asking multi-part questions or clarifications during the Q&A, and I'll now turn the call over to Mark. Thanks, Jim. We in the room are always motivated with Jim's opening, so I thought I'd pass that to you. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us. HP delivered a strong first quarter. We had balanced growth and profitability across all regions and gained share in key market segments. Our performance continues to be driven by three important factors. Significant cost savings to both fund our growth and expand our earnings. Two, our deployment of additional sales resources to capture incremental opportunities in the enterprise and mid-markets. And three, a diverse global customer base and a broad portfolio that's aligned with the growth areas of the market. Let me be clear. Our cost savings are significant and ongoing. Now let me walk you through some highlights for the quarter. Revenue was up 13% to $28.5 billion. Non-GAAP EPS was $0.86, cents, and that's up 32% versus the prior year period. HP generated $3.2 billion of cash from operations, which includes the payment of a considerable annual employee bonus commensurate with our strong 2007 performance. And we returned $3.3 billion to shareholders through share repurchases. In addition, we announced our intent to acquire Extreme Software, a leader in variable data publishing solutions. Next, I will give you a few of my thoughts on the state of the business, and then Kathy will review the numbers. TSG continued to generate strong results, driven by expense discipline and our investments in blade solutions, management software, and data center services. TSG grew revenue 10% and expanded operating margin 2.5 points versus the prior year period. I am pleased with our improved performance in this business and confident that we can execute against the significant opportunities that remain. The Imaging and Printing Group delivered revenue growth of 4% and operating margins of 15.7% in the quarter. IPG results show strong execution in our core ink and laser businesses and solid growth in both the graphic arts and the enterprise. PSG produced another excellent quarter, growing revenue 24% and expanding operating profit 52%. Our commercial business delivered strong revenue and margin performance, augmenting our strength in consumer, notebooks, and emerging geographies. According to the fourth quarter industry data, emerging geographies accounted for nearly half of the PC units shipped in the market and over 60% of the growth. Our results reflect this trend, and we are expanding our presence in these developing economies. Now I'll turn it over for a little more depth on the numbers. Thanks, Mark, and good afternoon, everyone. Before I get into the numbers, I just want to briefly touch upon a financial reporting item. 
Each year, as part of our first quarter annual financial review, we review our reported segments and make changes between these segments to reflect any organizational shifts between the businesses. As indicated in our Q4 call, beginning in FY08, the business intelligence and information management businesses have moved into HP software from ESS and services. As a result of this change, the revenue and operating profit and loss associated with these businesses has been moved from ESS and services into HP software. I'll discuss the impact to the HP software P&L more fully in a few minutes when I talk about the segment results. Additionally, there are changes in PSG and IPG, but with no net change at the segment level. A detailed bridge of these changes, including historical data, is available on our investor relations website, as well as furnished on a Form 8K filed with the SEC. I want to be very clear that the changes do not impact HP's previously reported consolidated net revenue, earnings from operations, net earnings, or EPS. This should just be viewed as an annual fine-tuning of our financial reporting structure to better align it with how we manage the business. Now moving on to the results of the quarter. HP began fiscal 2008 with solid performance and balanced operating profit growth. Revenue for the first quarter totaled $28.5 billion, up 13% year-over-year, or up 8% in constant currency. Non-GAAP operating profit grew 31% to $2.8 billion, or 9.9% of revenue. Looking at revenue by geography, Asia-Pacific grew 22%, EMEA was up 15%, and Americas increased 8%. We generated 69% of total revenue outside of the U.S., with emerging markets driving significant growth. First quarter gross margin was 24.5%. Compared to a year ago, gross margin was up 80 basis points, driven by a generally favorable commodity environment, disciplined pricing, and improvements in warranty and attach. Non-GAAP operating expenses for the quarter were $4.1 billion dollars, or 14.6% of revenue, down from 15.1% a year ago. Adjusting for currency, expenses were up 6% as we added sales and go-to-market resources and absorbed acquisitions. We will continue to align our cost structure for greater efficiency and growth. Non-GAAP OINE yielded income of $72 million, or roughly $0.02 per share. Our non-GAAP tax rate was 21% in Q1. First quarter non-GAAP EPS was $0.86, cents, up 32% from the $0.65 cents that we reported one year ago. GAAP EPS was $0.80, cents, which included $158 million, or $0.06 cents per share, in after-tax adjustments primarily related to the amortization of purchased intangibles that were excluded from our non-GAAP results. Now drilling in on the performance by business segment. During the first quarter, imaging and printing had revenue of $7.3 billion, up 4% year over year. Excluding cameras, revenue was up 5%. Supplies revenue grew 6%, and commercial hardware revenue grew 7%, while consumer hardware revenue declined 5% year over year. Segment operating profit was $1.2 billion, or 15.7% of revenue, reflecting gross margin expansion and favorable product mix. We continue to see solid momentum in our growth initiatives. 
Our graphic arts business grew in double digits, and color, laser, and multifunction printer units grew 14 and 23 percent, respectively. Commercial hardware units increased 13 percent, and consumer hardware units declined 2 percent. We continue to focus on targeting unit growth in areas of high supplies consumption, but do believe that we, left, we had more unit opportunities than we realized in Q1. Going forward, we expect to at least maintain share in the mature inkjet market and see additional opportunities for growth in targeted areas such as graphic arts and enterprise printing. Within IPG, we are also focused on reducing the cost structure and have a number of ongoing initiatives to improve supply chain efficiency and lower product costs. At the same time, we will continue to invest for growth and profitability through our commitment to research and development, targeted share gains, growth in graphic arts, and expansion of our enterprise printing sales force. Personal Systems had another outstanding quarter with market share gains and strong margin performance. Revenue grew 24% year over year, or $2 billion, with unit shipments up 27%. We had a strong holiday season with consumer client revenue up 29%. Consumer notebooks sold particularly well, demonstrating our strength, our strong product lineup, targeted marketing, and the strength of our retail channels. Commercial client revenue grew 22%, reflecting solid demand in enterprise and mid-market segments. Overall, notebook shipments grew 49%, with strong performance in both consumer and commercial. Desktop and workstation units were each up 15%. Segment operating profit for the quarter was $628 million, or 5.8% of revenue. Compared with the prior year period, PSG operating profit increased 52%, or $214 million, reflecting solid execution, increased attached, and the benefit of a favorable commodity environment. You should expect us to continue to balance revenue growth and profitability by managing our costs, investing in marketing opportunity, in market opportunities, and leveraging our strength in notebooks, retail, and emerging markets. Moving on to technology solutions group. Enterprise storage and servers revenue grew 9% year over year to $4.8 billion. Within ESS, industry standard server revenue grew 11%, and ESS blades grew 81%. Revenue and storage grew 10%, with the mid-range EVA business growing 14%, and the near-line business posting 4% growth after many quarters of declining revenue. Business critical systems revenue grew 1% year over year. Integrity server revenue grew 37%, and now represents 75% of BCS mix. ESS operating margins for the quarter improved 3.8 points to 14% of revenue fueled by favorable component pricing, improved execution, and expense discipline. While we are pleased with the progress we have made, we can still do a better job penetrating our addressable market. You'll see us take actions to drive go-to-market initiatives and add sales resources to expand account coverage and strengthen our customer relationships. We had a solid quarter in HP services with revenue of $4.4 billion, up 11% over the prior year period. Outsourcing and consulting and integration revenue increased 15% and 13% respectively, while technology services revenue was up 
Operating profit for the quarter was $489 million, or 11.2% of revenue. We remain focused on balancing margin expansion with revenue growth. Our services results reflect improved focus on services attached, combined with operational improvements from our ongoing efficiency initiatives. We have made progress reducing our cost of service delivery, but we still have considerable work to do. As I discussed earlier, beginning in Q1, we are reporting business intelligence and information management businesses as part of HP Software. On this basis, HP Software revenue was $666 million, up 11% from the prior year. BTO, formerly reported as OpenView, increased revenue 19% to $548 million, and other software, which includes OpenCall, Business Intelligence, and Information Management, had revenue of $118 million. Q1 operating profit for the segment was $51 million, or 7.7% of revenue. For comparative purposes, HP Software would have reported revenue of $611 million, an operating margin of 12.7% of revenue, if we had excluded the impact of business reclassifications but included the impact of acquisitions. We have included a slide in the presentation that provides historical bridges for the business reclassification. The software business includes a combination of nascent and scaled businesses. We are pleased with the progress the BTO organization is making integrating Opsware and expect to grow this business as we help customers manage their IT infrastructure. At the same time, we are expanding our information management and business intelligence businesses by investing in our solution portfolio and go-to-market presence. Similar to last year, we expect to expand profit margins as the year progresses and are comfortable with the 20 to 22% operating margin for FY09 that we outlined at our analyst meeting in December. Finally, HP Financial Services had revenue of $642 million, up 17% year over year, and generated operating margin of 6.7%. We are encouraged with the growth in our core financing volume and portfolio assets over the last several quarters as well as the strong performance in end-of-lease renewals and equipment sales. Moving now to the balance sheet. HP owned inventory ended Q1 at 33 days of supply. This is down six days compared with a year ago, reflecting our focus on improving execution and working capital management. With regards to channel inventory, we ended the quarter with PSG and ESS down roughly a half a week year over year and IPG flat year over year. Day sales outstanding increased to 39 days in Q1 from 37 days one year ago. Days payable was 47 days, down from 53 days last year. As we've discussed in prior quarters, we will continue to leverage our balance sheet to drive shareholder value. Next, property, plant, and equipment was up $759 million year over year and down 20 basis points as a percentage of revenue. Gross CapEx was $611 million, down 15% year-over-year. On a net basis, CapEx was $523 million, down 10% from the prior year period. Capital expenditures were primarily related to assets used in our leasing business and our investments in IT. Moving on to cash balance and cash flow. 
Strong operational performance combined with ongoing focus on working capital metrics resulted in Q1 cash flow from operations of $3.2 billion and free cash flow of $2.7 billion. Included in these results was a significant FY07 annual bonus, which was paid out in the first quarter. In addition, we spent $3.3 billion on share repurchases during the quarter. Relative to prior quarters, the linearity of repurchases in Q1 was back-end weighted. At the end of the quarter, we had roughly $7.4 billion remaining in the current share repurchase authorization. Finally, we paid our normal quarterly dividend, totaling $206 million. We closed the year with a strong balance sheet, including total gross cash of $10.1 billion and net cash of $2.9 billion. Now a few comments on our outlook for both the second quarter and the full fiscal year. We expect Q2 fiscal 2008 revenue to be approximately $27.7 billion to $27.9 billion. Similar to last quarter, and in light of the increasingly tough comparison PSG, we do not believe it is prudent to set investor expectations that our personal systems business can continue to grow at this pace nor do we think it appropriate to build a cost structure on that basis. Given our significant international exposure, our results may be favorably or unfavorably impacted by currency. Assuming exchange rates stay roughly where they are, and given our assumptions about hedging and pricing, we expect full-year revenue will be approximately $113.5 to $114 billion. Regarding earnings, there are a few variables to keep in mind. First, we expect the component pricing environment to be less favorable in Q2 than it was in Q1. Second, we estimate non-GAAP OINE to be about a penny per share in Q2 and approximately $0.07 for the full year 2008. Finally, we expect to continue to repurchase shares in the coming quarters, however, likely at a lower rate than in Q1. Share count will be impacted by the share price trends, option exercise patterns, common stock equivalents, and repurchase activity. Currently, we expect a somewhat steeper decline in Q2 and a more modest decline in weighted average shares outstanding in the second half of the year. With that in mind, we expect Q208 non-GAAP EPS in the range of 83 to 84 cents. For the full year, we expect non-GAAP EPS to be in the range of $3.50 to $3.54 representing growth of 19 to 21% on revenue growth of about 9%. So all in all, we delivered solid results in Q1 and increased our outlook for the year, reflecting the strength of our business model and our progress to date. Before we go to Q&A, I will now turn it back over to Mark for a few additional comments. Uh, Thanks, Kathy. Uh, While I realize that macroeconomic uncertainties exist, It's important to note that we control many of the levers that drive our performance. We are therefore confident in our ability to meaningfully expand our earnings per share. We expect to remove significantly more cost this year than we did last year. We will take these savings and realign our cost structure to fund investments that both improve the efficiency of HP and create growth opportunities. Combined with our strong balance sheet, broad geographic reach, and considerable recurring revenues, these factors allow us to confidently raise our EPS guidance. With that, uh, Kathy and I will now take your questions. 
Great. Let's take the first question, operator. Yes, sir. Our first question comes from the line of Ben Reitzis with UBS. Go ahead. Yeah, um, good, good morning, good afternoon, good quarter. I um, wanted to just talk a little bit about the, the macroeconomic environment. I mean, you know, uh, just going into the quarter, there was a lot of speculation about things that slowed into January, et cetera, and your, your guidance is obviously indicating that. And uh, I'm just wondering if you feel if you can confirm any of the linearity of the quarter and also just talk about perhaps a little bit more about how you control your own destiny, maybe, you know, acknowledge share gains or something that gives you confidence, to, a little more that gives you confidence on the raising guidance given the economic backdrop. I'll start, uh, Ben. Uh, thanks for the question and thanks for your comments. Um, you know, I think we saw pretty good linearity at the HP level during the quarter. and There was no story in terms of, you know, one month being uh, better than the other, so it was pretty pretty smooth. Um, I'll try to give you a little bit more color. Obviously, we had um, uh, we have a good position from a geographic deployment perspective, so when you look at, across our segments and our businesses, we really had solid growth across all businesses and regions. You know, again, 69% of our revenue is outside the United States, so again, I think that's probably an asset. Um, you know, and again, in the U.S., Ben, and I'm giving you a little more color than your question, but I'll try to give you a, a little bit more insight. You know, we've got multiple stories to go on. Remembering it's only 31% of our revenue. I say only, but relative to what you see in some other tech uh, uh, tech peers. Um, we have an enterprise business that, frankly, we're putting more go-to-market resources in, and, um, you know, there's an effect to a degree of that investment in growth. And, frankly, um, you know, we're putting more effort into the U.S. than we have in the past. So I'm not sure we're the best um, person to compare specifically year-over-year comps because of the effort we're putting in to improve our position. So, um, you know, I would tell you in the U.S. At the, uh, at the end of the quarter, you know, we saw a little bit more caution in the, in the consumer segment than what we've um, uh, seen in the past. But, again, I tell you that in the context of the big picture, um, on a global basis, we saw you know pretty steady uh, growth across all of our businesses and segments, and then clearly stories within the story. Um, on the EPS raise of, of, of guidance for us, um, you know, part of it, frankly, is the fact that we just have the good news is we have a lot of work to go do. The bad news is we have a lot of work to go do, and, and you know we've just got to get after getting it, it done. And as I think as we outlined at the security analyst meeting. We've done a lot of work on corporate overhead. We have a lot of work to do on some of our business unit-owned processes where a lot of our cost is. And, you know, as, as, as you've heard us say before, we're dead serious about getting this right. And we think getting this right uh, puts us in a very strong position to, to go out to the market and compete. And I can't comment on share gains because it, I just don't know all the data yet. I only know, I only know frankly, ours. Hey, thanks a lot, Mark. The only thing I would add to that, Ben, is just that we have built capacity in our plans for uh, fiscal 08 so that we can adjust if the demand isn't there um, that we're expecting. And we really have a good line to kind of follow up on some of Mark's comments, a good line of sight on our cost cuts. That combined with the investments that we've made to, frankly, improve our position in accounts in terms of a share of wallet and our recurring revenue, it gives us a lot of confidence uh, in our EPS guidance. Thank you very much, guys. Great, thanks, thanks, Ben. Guys. Let's take the next question, please. Our next question comes from the line of Richard Gardner with Citigroup. Go ahead. Okay, thank you very much. Um, 
Mark and Kathy, the the thing that struck me from a product perspective this quarter was that supplies revenue growth actually accelerated, uh, despite the fact that you had a tougher year-over-year compare. And it looked like you were actually a little bit better than seasonal norm for the quarter. Um, I was wondering if you could give us a little bit of color around what's driving the strength in supplies uh, revenue growth and um, uh, whether it was toner or ink, uh, et, et cetera. I know no meaningful difference between toner and ink trends, um, Richard, in the in the quarter. Um, again, you know, we have the benefit of a large install base. I mean, during the quarter, uh, we shipped our 500 millionth um, printer. And so when you look at this, the pure scale of the business and the size of the install base, you know, it's, it's a big one. And as you know, we've invested from a unit perspective, you know, into that base for, for a while. Now, let me give you some further color. When you look at the camera and you look at the appliances, and we were very cautious, as we mentioned in our previous call, about appliance placements. You know, there's a, on a full, I'm giving you a full year uh, characterization here, Richard, Roughly two to three points, I'd say, of growth headwind. And I want to say one more time, growth headwind for IPG in rationalizing those two categories through the portfolio. So, again, I would ask you, Richard, to take IPG in the context of a pretty radical transformation we're doing inside IPG. Uh, we're working on a lot of costs that, that, that we're trying to take out of the business. We're investing in growth markets that are giving us substantive growth, to Kathy's point uh, that she mentioned, graphics and the enterprise, performed very nicely from a growth perspective for us in the quarter. So we're taking money and investing in those categories, and it is showing up at the same time as we have a core business where we're sort of picking our spots um, as to where we, we, we feel uh, makes sense to, 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 to work on. Now, as Kathy also mentioned, and I'll follow up on that, that, that we had some, some, some inkjet placements in the quarter that we could have made and didn't from a unit perspective. So, um, you know, we had some tailwind, uh, some headwind because of the appliances, but we could have done better than we did. And uh, just to be very blunt, I'm not real happy about it. So um, there's uh, more work for us to, uh, to, to yet go do. Great. Thanks, Rich. So let's take Thank the next Mark. question, please. Our next question comes from the line of David Bailey with Goldman Sachs. Go ahead. Great. Thank you. Just sort of to follow up on that, uh, your overall printing unit growth has come down four quarters in a row. And given the weakness that we see in inkjet demand across the industry, should we think of this as a trend that should continue, or are there some reasons that you should start to see some stabilization or a rebounding growth as we go through the year? I'll make a couple of comments, and Kathy can follow up. I sort of tried to give you that even actually in Richard's question. I mean, we reported uh, 1% unit growth. Uh, there's a couple of points of unit growth tied up in the, in the appliance uh, uh, piece. Remember that the laser growth in the quarter was 13%, so very significant you know, double-digit laser growth. So I think when you think a couple of points um, on the inkjet side of total units would have come back um, through the appliance side, plus we left a couple of points uh, on the table that uh, we thought we could have had. So you've really got two different tails here, David. You've got kind of a laser business that's, you know, 13% growth that's, that's going pretty quick. You've got the inkjet business that has some of the characteristics you described. I would, at the risk of giving you one more twist, tell you that long run, we're very focused on pages. So when we talk about inkjet units, we sort of lose the context of what happens in Cytex growth and, and Indigo growth and the high-end commercial printing that, frankly, has as much to do with our future. And, and, and to Richard's earlier point, we may wind up with a slight disconnect 
in, in, in trying to model unit growth and inkjet to supplies growth because what happens is the, and I won't do this again, but the, the, the an indigo printer when it goes out is worth thousands and thousands of, 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 of inkjet consumer printers going out. And as those businesses grow, you can start to get a disconnect in what the supplies growth looks like and what the actual inkjet unit growth looks like. And you're going to hear us talking a lot more about trying to get you some transparency through what that page growth looks like and the implication it has long-term in our supplies business. Great. Thanks, David. Let's take the next question, please. Our next question comes from the line of Tony Sakanagi with Sanford Bernstein. Go ahead. Uh, yes, good afternoon, and thank you. Um, Mark and Kathy, you're um, providing guidance for revenues to be down just over 2% sequentially in the second quarter. Uh, in four of the last five Q2s, your revenues have actually gone up sequentially in Q2. Um, given the context for your comments, which seem very uh, positive, is this you know, good old-fashioned conservatism given the environment. Is this something you see coming in the PC marketplace that will cause your PC growth rate to accelerate, which you alluded to? Or is there something else that, that we should think about relative to recent seasonality? So, so, Tony, as I mentioned in my script, and, and we've been saying this now for a number of quarters, we don't think it's a good idea to um, actually put, out, put a cost structure in place to, for our PC business to, and expect it to grow at the same rate it's been growing at. So each of the last few quarters, we have, in fact, taken our guidance down for, for the PC side of the house. Um, we also think it's smart from a cost perspective to do that. But other than this, our guidance is, frankly, very well aligned with the typical seasonality that we see in each of our businesses. Now, the only other thing I'd add to this is as our businesses are growing at different rates, the mix in our seasonality is changing a bit. So when you look at it at total company level, you do need to adjust for that as well. And we actually see the seasonality from Q1 to Q2 probably closer to flat to maybe up just a smidge. So, Kathy, are you, are you suggesting then if PCs are a third of your business and um, you're about three points off your seasonal guidance that implicit in your outlook is about a 10-point deceleration in the PC revenue growth rate? I don't think it's quite that large, but it's, it's certainly directionally correct. The other thing I'd add is that if you look at the, um, seasonal, the seasonal pattern Q1 to Q2, you've also got to adjust for currency, right? And uh, on a uh, currency-adjusted basis, basis, it's more like uh, 0%. Yeah, and, Tony, um, I, I just can't help myself with the word deceleration because we're now comparing against big, big growth rates in, in uh, last year. So, when you combine the growth rate in in 2007 with what's going on in 2008, um, you know, it's when I, I saw somebody writing uh, some sort of note about PSG just a few minutes ago that it decelerated to 24% growth uh, for the year, uh, being this Q1 number that we just reported. So, boy, if that's the definition of decelerate deceleration, it's 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 an interesting uh, comment. So you'll take it any day. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> and, and Tony, I think to your point, and I think you you, you know we've we, you know we've talked about this before in security analyst meetings. It's really important for us to not get a business model built. On, on those kind of numbers. And again, what we try to do is build capacity, to Kathy's earlier point, into our models that if that opportunity is available then and it makes sense for us, we go get it. But the fundamental business model is built on a, on a, on a more conservative platform. And 
you know, we're not trying to go out and necessarily gain share, and that's the objective. We're trying to build a great business, and if we build a great business, we believe the gain of share and, and, and those growth rates are, are really the result. And so I don't know if that helps, but again, and, and I know you've heard this before, but that, that really is our core focus. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Kevin. Okay, let's take the next question, please, operator. Our next question comes from the line of Bill Shope with J.P. Morgan. Go ahead. Okay, great. Thanks. I was wondering if you can give us some more color on ASP trends, specifically in PCs. Um, you know, they were remarkably tame for, for you guys as well as the industry all of last year. Um, and I'm wondering, are you expecting that to hold this year? Have you seen any material changes in pricing patterns, uh, particularly over the holiday season? Uh, and if not, uh, you know, how much room do you think you have here to possibly get more aggressive on pricing to obviously gain share, but also to counter some uh, potential uh, macro pressures on units? So, Bill, to your point, it was tame in Q4. It was uh, fairly tame again, I'd say, in, 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 in Q1. I wouldn't say that we're seeing, um, you know, pricing pressure beyond the norm. I, 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 again, go back to the comments of when somebody says, did you see a competitive environment? I just don't remember when it wasn't competitive. So if somebody said the other way, did I see it some big change, uh, we did not uh, in, in, in the quarter. So, uh, would we go back to your point to, to go for more share gains? You know, that's not where we start, Bill. You know, we don't start the discussion with let's, you know, drive price as the, as, as the number one driver in the market. So it's probably not, not, not where we start. Again, we'll look to pick our spots based on markets and segments that make, that make sense, but uh, probably not where we go. But to answer your question, probably more of what you heard in, in Q4 than, than, than some sort of change. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Bill. Thanks, Bill. Let's take the next question, please. Our next question comes from the line of Andrew Neff with Bear Stearns. Go ahead. Good. Thanks very much. I, I just wanted to know, Mark, if you could give us an update on a data center consolidation. There was an article in the Wall Street Journal the other day that quoted you and others talking about how tough tough it was. And just give a sense of, of how, how that's coming together, where you think you are, and um, what the implications are for HP and also as you got to your customers um, with, with this sort of uh, what you've done for yourself. Right, Andy. Thanks uh, for the question. Um, yeah, I, I, I saw that. Um, listen, we've done. Our team has done uh, just a superb job. Um, we still have more work to do, and you know, as we've talked about, uh, many much of the savings that comes along with it sort of trails, certainly as opposed to leads. But we are uh, a long ways through, and it really starts with us with a process change, then an application consolidation, an application modernization process, and then that allows us to consolidate infrastructure and therefore close data centers. So it really falls in that flow. We run the company. We started running the company, uh, well, we were running the company in early 2005 on roughly 6,000 applications. And I know Kathy and I looked at this about a week ago. We're running the company right now on a little more than 3,000 applications. So we're about halfway through the application consolidation. We're a little further ahead in the infrastructure consolidation uh, and the data centers that trail it. So that's roughly where we are. To your point, we've done a lot of hard work. And I think the article, um, you know, which I think was, was a representation of us telling customers, you know, that, that this is very uh, important work to go do. And what we're trying to do is show all of the things that we encountered as we went through the process so it becomes a learning vehicle uh, for them. So as a result of trying to teach learnings and to, to, to show those, you actually focus on more of the problems than you do the benefits. If I step back for a second uh, and said from where we started, I think we've, our team is 
has really done well, Andy, and I think uh, Kathy and I would both say we're, we're, we're awful proud of him. You talked about getting most of it done during uh, fiscal 08. You still, are you still comfortable with that? Yeah, I mean, I think we're, 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 we're making a lot of progress. We had a very strong quarter in terms of IT getting its, its, its work done. It's very important to us, too, because with the sa- it's not only the fact that we save money, but we also actually get a simpler infrastructure. So just to give you an idea of the implication of this, when you consolidate applications, I'll give you one example. We used to have 75 separate consumer support applications at Hewlett-Packard. So we had a separate consumer support application in each country for our consumer PC and consumer printer business. We've now consolidated those to one application, one application that now supports our entire consumer support across the company, which means IT can now do one modification to our code base, drop it down one time, whereas before we had to do 75 different modifications to be able to get that done. That increases, not only lowers our cost, but it increases our speed, it makes us more nimble, and just gives us a better platform to run the company. So, yes, I think we're on track. We think we feel good about it. We still have work to do, and uh, we'll let you know as soon as we're, uh, we're comfortable we're at the goal line. Thanks very much. Thank and, you. and we still fully expect to have a run rate saving for the full year FY09 of a billion dollars related to IT. And, and the beauty, frankly, in this model is also that um, with that reduced spend, you're still getting a much more significant percentage of the spend focused on innovation than you do on maintenance. Because with the simpler application and infrastructure, your maintenance costs go down pretty dramatically. And frankly, I can tell you all of our businesses are very excited about getting more innovation. I, 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 I can't help myself, Andy, other than to say, and the point that goes to customers that's neat about this is, you're actually playing into the, the, the environment that says, listen, in a tough environment, here's an opportunity to get to save money at the same time as you get a better platform to go, to go build upon in the future. So the, the internal work we're doing is in many ways the basis of our, of our uh, enterprise go-to-market uh, uh, discussion with customers. Thank you. Okay, thanks, Andy. Let's take the next question, please, Melanie. Our next question comes from the line of Shannon Cross with Cross Research. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. Good afternoon. Um, just wanted to ask a bit more on the printer uh, side of the business. Uh, just, Mark, when you think about sort of the trade-offs between margins and and um, market share and unit placements and that, um, can you kind of give us your idea on where you're going at for this year? Because obviously, you know, with unit volume slowing, you think you'd have a mixed shift to supplies. And I think you also mentioned some pretty aggressive cost moves within IPG. So at the end of the day, you know, how aggressive do you think you'll be on pricing? How much do you think you'll sort of return to the bottom line through margin expansion, et cetera? Thanks. Well, we'll try to be precise in our aggression, if, 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 if that makes sense, as opposed to just running around trying to do things that, 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 that are aggressive in the broader sense. But again, I would like to tell you that IPG is a bit more complicated in the context of think of them with, with, with at least four big things we're trying to do at the same time. One is we're trying to realign our cost structure. And the great thing about IPG is it's a great business that, that, that's made a lot of money. The, the bad thing is it's a great business that's made a lot of money. And, it, and, and like with many businesses that have done that for a long time, we have certain ways of doing things that, that VJ and Kathy and I know we can do a lot better than we're doing today. And it forms the basis for a big cost opportunity for us, and we're working it. Secondly, we want to grow the graphics business. Kathy, I thought, was very clear on, on our intent. And, and our performance in that business. Third, 
We want to grow our enterprise business, and both of those have performed nicely for us over the past several quarters, again, in, 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 in Q1. Fourth, there is a core consumer business, and we look at that differently by geography. As, as we described, we look at the laser business a little different than we do the inkjet business, and, and so when you look at that entire aggregation, we will, we will pick our spots. And I would tell you here that we are not just trying to drive margin. We're looking at the optimization of long-term margin, which has a balance of the units of placement, but making sure they're sensible unit placements that have long-term supplies connect at, at, at the same time as we, we try to get short-term operating profits. So it is very possible, Shannon, as you know, that we have a profit number that we wish we'd have put more units in the market. And as I mentioned earlier, there were some units we could have put in the market as we looked back on it afterwards that we wish uh, – you know, we wish we had, and uh, it is what it is. So we'll uh, we'll go back and make sure we try to get this uh, right as we move forward here. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Shannon. Okay, thanks, Shannon. Let's take the next question, please. Our next question comes from the line of Brian Alexander with Raymond James. Go ahead. Thank you. Uh, Mark, you were specific earlier in the call saying you'll reduce more costs this year than last year. Um, I guess the question is, are you accelerating any of the actions that you've previously announced in, in light of the macro environment, or has that been the plan coming into the fiscal year? And any change in thinking on reinvestment versus flow-through of those savings in light of the environment? Thanks. No, we're really on the same trajectory, Brian. I mean, I, I comment earlier when somebody tells me because of the macro environment are you doing something else, it implies there was some inefficiency we weren't going after anyway. And, and everything in the company is up for debate. Um, and so Kathy and I go through this at, at excruciating detail to make sure we've got our cost structure headed in the right direction. So um, I would just tell you, we're very focused on getting it right, and we have opportunities to do it. From a reinvestment back in the scale of our, our sales organization, um, we are on trajectory to do it, and uh, we're continuing to uh, try to balance uh, the cost takeout relative to the reinvestment. Okay, thanks, uh, Brian. Uh, let's take the next question, please. Our next question comes from the line of Catherine Huberty with Morgan Stanley. Go ahead. Yes, thanks. How purposeful was the reduction in inventory in late January ahead of the expectation for potentially slower PC growth, and were there any product segments that you feel inventory was constrained at the end of the quarter? So, Katie, I, it wasn't purposeful. Um, other than to say that we have been working on our inventory management for, well, since, since Q1 last year, there's been a real intense focus in the company on that. And this is just the result of many quarters of um, hard work. So I wouldn't read anything more into it other than uh, much better inventory management. Our next question comes from the line of Louis Miskowski with Cohen & Company. Go ahead. Okay, thank you. Uh, you had in your press release that you added 2,000 more salespeople, and could you give us the total number of salespeople you have, and I know you have been talking about for quite a while, of growing this. Do you think you finally hit the level that, that you're uh, reasonably happy with? And maybe finally, and sorry about the multiple question, you could uh, talk about if a lot of this went into the emerging markets. So we don't release uh, headcount information at that uh, level of detail, um, but um, we have obviously more than 2,000 salespeople since we added them, um, that many. But I would tell you that we are we're very undercovered and we're very underrepresented in the market, and it's it's a, it's an issue for us. Um, you know, we we think we have a just superb lineup of products and capabilities, and um, 
it's frustrating to us because we obviously know we come to work every day and then underdistribute them in the market. And we've got a very strong lineup of partners out there. We have 144,000 resellers uh, and partners that, that help us. But at the end of the day, when you go through a detailed market mapping by, by market segment, by geography, by product segment, even by industry where it makes sense, certainly in the context of the mid-market and the enterprise, we are dramatically undercovered. And, and when I say that, it's, it's, we're not off by 10% or 20%. We're off by more than that. And so we're trying hard to beef it up. And it's not all direct salespeople. So we give you that number as one factoid. But it really is a combination of partners, um, you know, sort of badged and full-time employed HP people working in unison to try to get a broader, geogra- broader distribution footprint across the entire market. Much of it is in emerging markets, but it's not all in emerging markets. And as you've heard, 31% of our revenue in the U.S., and the U.S. is one of the markets that we're not as well distributed as, as, as we would like to be. So it's a, it, it's a broad-based issue for us, just as our cost issue is a broad-based issue for us. We try hard to work them in alignment, and this is the issue for us to do, try and do two things at the same time. Um, and, and that's what we're working on. So we have improved the situation based on the headcount that we described and also relationships and investments we've made in the channel. That said, there is more work for us to go do. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, let's take the next question, please. Our next question comes from the line of Scott Craig with Bank of America. Go ahead. Hi, good afternoon. Hey, Kathy, can you maybe talk about the cost, um, the component cost environment a little bit? You mentioned that you don't see it as being um, as favorable going forward. So can you be a little bit more specific? It just seems like every quarter we keep hearing that, and the component pricing doesn't look that bad to us. Actually, it looks like it's gotten a little bit better over the you know past couple of months. So um, any flavor there would be appreciated. Thanks. So, so um, in Q1, it was uh, clearly more favorable than we had expected. And, and you saw that in the, the margin expansion um, at the HP Co. level as well as uh, the operating margin expansion at the PSG and enterprise server and storage level. In terms of an outlook, we, we think that the supply generally looks good. We are starting to see a kind of a memory pricing environment that, that seems to be stabilizing a bit or getting more solid. Um, you know, there, there could be an uptick there, but we're certainly not seeing uh, the same sort of declines that we've seen in the last couple of quarters. And so we're, we're basically pricing in or thinking about the fact that uh, memory will be, uh, will be a bit tougher than it was in the last couple of quarters and factoring that into our guidance. Okay, so it's predominantly memory then. The rest you still see as, as being somewhat favorable then? No, so pa- I think um, LCD panels all, as well have, have started to tick up a bit. Um, you know, memory is the biggest delta if you think about it from qu- kind of quarter to quarter. Um, from Q- in Q4 and Q1, but you definitely definitely have seen some uh, some firming in prices in uh, LCD panels as well. Okay, thank you. Our next question comes from the line of Jason Nolan with Robert Baird. Go ahead. Thank you. A uh, question on uh, a follow-up earlier to the data center question. Are you still seeing demand for tours of your new data centers in Texas and specifically our are, are enterprises more likely to uh, un- undertake a large data center consolidation in this, in this environment? Uh, so, first of all, we have um, um, 
I, I think I can actually say this, we have a runaway demand for people that want to get into our IT organization and understand what they've done. We try very hard to not uh, do just a one-off event with, with, with IT folks. We try to consolidate them and make them more formal and, and give people more exposure to what we've done in IT because we have an IT organization that still has work to do uh, for, for Hewlett-Packard. So, um, yes, we have very strong demand for people to see it and people to get into our data centers. But, frankly, not just get into the data center, but understand strategically what was, what was done and, and then how the execution went done. And most of our work is done to create sort of uh, playbooks that actually talk about the, the, the way we approach things. And to be very blunt, as I think Andy talked about earlier, the mistakes that, that we made, uh, where we made them uh, in terms of our approach. Uh, in terms of companies, I think, you know, there's there are different companies in different forms of maturation in terms of the states uh, that they, they're in, and that, imp- that has an implication on what they do. But there is no question right now there's a lot of attention IT and a lot of attention in terms of the relationship of IT to business benefits. So um, we think it's a, it's a major opportunity in the market, and there is a lot of of strategic dialogue, I'll put it that way, about about how people think about IT and the approaches they take to rationalizing it. Thanks. Let's take one more question, please, operator. Yes, sir. Our next question comes from the line of David Wong with Wachovia. Go ahead. Thank you very much. Um, can you give us uh, the unit uh, growth on your industry standard servers and also the absolute levels of channel inventory? I think you gave us year over year, but not the absolute levels on channel inventory. I think unit growth, um, I just want to make sure. I know the number. I'm trying to, we, we, we give this out. Uh, it was very high double digits. I'll just leave it at that. So high teens, uh, sorry, high teens, that's, that's a better, but high teens was, was, was unit growth in, in ISS, and uh, uh, I'll, leave it, uh, I'll leave it at that one. Uh, we typically don't give the absolute uh, uh, channel inventory numbers as we give them out. We give them in terms of weeks, and we give them in terms of compares. So um, that's where we leave it. ESS inventory, which is what we report, uh, was healthy and uh, very well positioned coming out of Q1, and that was, uh, again, uh, purposeful on our part to just uh, position ourselves well going into the rest of the, uh, of the year. Okay, thanks for your questions. Uh, I'd like to summarize today's call by saying that HP had a strong quarter. It was characterized by balanced growth across all regions, share gains in key businesses, margin expansion, expense discipline, strong cash flow from operations, and significant share repurchases. Going forward, I'm confident in our ability to deliver strong results based on the three elements I mentioned to you earlier, significant cost savings that both fund our growth and expand our earnings our deployment of additional sales resources to capture incremental opportunities in the enterprise and mid-markets. And third, a diverse global customer base and a broad product portfolio that is aligned with the growth areas of the market. Given the solid fundamentals within our business, we are increasing our non-GAAP EPS guidance for the 10th consecutive quarter. I'm pleased with our progress today. We have a lot of work to do. I'm confident that we can continue to produce another year of strong financial returns. Thanks again for joining our call.